Welcome to The Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show with Tony and Corey. Built by Par Lumber. Go where the builders go. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have the know-how and the answers to make your life a bit easier. So here they are, the hosts of The Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to The Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We've got a great show lined up for you again. Tony and I come to you every weekend to give you advice on uh, ways to maintain your home or make things better. You know, and Tony, what is more important than healthy air? I cannot think of anything more important than healthy air. Healthy water? Well, but, you know, you can go a lot longer without water than you can without air. That's true. Uh, I, I can go that, about two and a half minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, not sure. Even. I can, I'm I can not even. I'm probably go maybe a half a minute. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I can make it that long. Um, but you're right. Healthy air is very important. And I think that because we can't see it, a lot of times we take for granted that the air that we're breathing is as good a quality as is available. Yeah, but did you know that most people's air inside their home is worse quality than it is outside? Well, of course, absolutely, because the outside air, the, the freshest air that's available, providing the conditions outside are normal and you're not living near a volcano or, you know, something like that, of course. Um, but yeah, we just take for granted that the air in our home is clean, healthy, healthy. Yeah. And, uh, and oftentimes, especially in older homes, it's not. We have to take measures to make sure that the quality of the air we breathe every day is clean and healthy. And so we're going to be talking about that. We're actually going to talk to a professional today, an expert, if you will, Caroline Blazowski. She has a website called HealthyHomeExpert.com. And uh, we're going to talk to her specifically today about all of those things, how to detect unhealthy air and how to correct it. Yeah, she is a healthy home expert. She is, uh, we're, we're going to be talking to her because there are a lot of things in a home uh, that you don't see and you, and you need to think about, like mold and allergens, uh, rodents. Can you, most of the air that comes into your home gets filtered through from your crawl space. Do you know for a fact there are no rodents down there? Oh, I can, I can almost tell you for a fact that there are rodents down there. So if there's rodents down there and they're doing rodent things... Yeah, whatever that gross. is that those things they are. Super gross. <laughs> yeah. Rodent things, all of that air is coming up through the floorboards and through the holes and uh, through your carpet and, you know, ending up in your home. And that's what you're breathing. Yeah, in an, in an older home for sure. These days, we understand more about that than we have in the past. And a lot of builders building new homes take measures to make sure that you're getting fresh air in your home all the time. Uh, we've talked about this on our show very regularly, uh, an HRV or a heat recovery ventilator. This is something that gives you intentional fresh air into your home regularly. Another way to intentionally get fresh air in your home is to have windows open uh, or doors open with screens closed. Um, but that's not always an option. In the wintertime, say, for example, when it's very cold outside, you can't just have all the windows open and expect to keep the inside of your house warm. But in order to have fresh air in the home, you have to intentionally get it there. And if you're not, then you have to do something to treat the air that is in your home. Yeah. And there is an easy way to find out if the air in your home is healthy or if it's unhealthy. 
And we'll talk to Caroline about that and maybe ways to remedy it. We'll talk to her about uh, whether we're using the correct cleaning products. You know, are we filtering our air? Are you changing your air filter? Uh, you know, are the products that you're installing in your home um, formaldehyde-free? Yeah, you low know, VOCs. Yeah, low VOCs. Do you have humid air or humidity down in your crawl space? Is there standing water? Like in my case, I had so much standing water down in my crawl space when I bought my home, there was uh, mold growing everywhere. So I had to dry that out. I had to get it cleaned, new insulation, you know, new everything down there to make it you know, so it was not disgusting, nasty, rodent-filled, moldy air coming through my crawl yeah. into my home. Are you taking uh, measures to make sure that you're keeping rodents out of the crawl space of your home or in the walls of your home by closing off those unwanted entry spaces where they come in and make a home in your home where you don't want them? Of course, another thing to think about, Corey, is pesticides that you use. Are those contaminating your air? Or the chemicals that you put on your lawn and garden? Are those contaminating your air or your water? Oh, go a step further. And what about the chemicals you're cleaning your clothes with or washing dishes with or running through the dishwasher? I mean, all of these things can contribute to an unhealthy home. Um, you know, the other thing that I want to talk to Caroline about, too, is uh, things to consider when building a new home. Are you treating a remodeled home or an old home differently? And what are you doing to help? that air quality versus all new construction. I want to know what her wish list is, what her number one things she would put in a new home to ensure that you have the best air quality. Yeah. Those are all really great things to think about. And the fact is because we can't see the air that we're breathing, we again, uh, out of sight, out of mind. Uh, we just assume that what we have, our situation is healthy and oftentimes it's not. So knowing is is power, right? Knowledge is power. So that's what we're going to talk about today, all of that stuff. Corey and I have uh, a, a pretty good perspective when it comes to older homes and the poor air quality that comes with those. Corey uh, bought a house here a few years ago, and, um, and there was some real challenges with the air quality in your home. Do you mm -hmm. remember that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The uh, Well, we talked about it a little bit. My crawl space was in terrible, terrible shape. We had uh, standing water. Uh, we had mold. We had rodents. We had holes everywhere. And we had to go through, fix the water issue right away. We dug channels. We put in sump pumps. And uh, that, that helped dry everything out. But then we had to deal with the air. And air sealing is the number one thing you can do. You have to start off with air sealing. You don't want any of that air coming in. You know, and it's funny because we're talking about air sealing and all of this bad air coming in, but you have to also consider fresh air. And that is one thing that I have not addressed yet at my home. Yeah, you. the air is going to come into your home. When you run fans or the dryer um, or whatever it is that causes a change of air in the house, uh, the air that's replacing the air that you're drawing out of the house comes from somewhere. What you can do is you can control where you don't want it to come from, uh, but you need to have an intentional 
spot where it does come from. And if that's through an open window, well, that's an easy solution. But you can't always have the windows open because, of course, it gets cold outside in the winter. <laughs> And we have to have the windows closed to keep from freezing to death. That's right. <laughs> we, otherwise, we'll be, like my mom and dad used to say, heating the entire neighborhood. <laughs> Are we heating the entire neighborhood tonight, guys? Uh, so, so this is all of this stuff. It's a lot to think about, really, Corey. It's a lot to wrap your mind around. And, and the more we talk about it, the better we will understand it. And that is why we're bringing you this show today. That's right. So uh, after the break, we're going to get Caroline Blazowski on the phone. And uh, we have, I have so many questions for her, I cannot wait. Me too. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more Weekend Warriors right here. Don't go away. To the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show with Tony and Corey, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, Tony and I have a very special guest. We're going to be talking with Caroline Blazowski. She's America's healthy home expert for over 17 years. She has been helping homeowners and physicians diagnose problems that may be lurking in your home. She has a developed uh, a national reputation as one of the top home consultants in the country. Her clients span the U.S. and internationally. She has worked on the homes of most famous uh, to the average everyday person who wants to environmentally improve their living space. Caroline Blazowski, how are you? Hey, guys. How are you? We're doing great. Thank you so much for coming on the uh, the show with us today. We uh, we have so many questions for you. I missed you guys. We haven't talked in a, a little while, so it's nice to reconvene. Yes, I feel like uh, this is a very important topic, especially considering uh, what's going on in the world today. Uh, you know, we don't uh, experience hurricanes in the Pacific Northwest where we are, but uh, certainly... Uh, in North Carolina, down in, in your side of the country over there, you guys are getting pounded with uh, those storms. And Phoenix. You can't forget about Arizona. They uh, recently have gotten hit as well, and they're having torrential rains. Oh, man. And you think about a, a place like Phoenix, they don't see a lot of rain. So they don't no. build the way we build up here. I mean, we see rain... You know, 200 days a year, it seems like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, in a place like that, they're probably not used to it. And they, they probably don't have the, um, yeah, they, they, the they don't same have sort the of infrastructure in place yeah. to, to handle it. Or, or they just don't they just don't build with that in mind. So, yeah, absolutely. That's it's a lot of stuff. To, but that's not to say that we won't have that kind of weather here at some point. We just don't deal with it regularly. And the thing is, too, I think it's the flash flooding, right? So we get these storms and what makes them so bad is this tremendous amount of rain that happens all of a sudden. And then your gutters and your basements and the water around your home can't handle that type of immense water you know, source. And then we start to see all this this trouble with our building envelopes and, and also our buildings. No, you're absolutely right. So what, Caroline, why don't you tell everybody, all of our listeners, what it is you do? And a little bit about your your business. Well, my job um, over the years has sort of evolved, but 
it's become a lot of investigating homes, uh, primarily when people are sick. And, and a lot of the times physicians will recommend someone to me, or it will also be a patient or a client who comes and says, look, I'm having these health complaints. Um, nobody can figure out what's wrong with me. They may or may not think it's something in their home. And then I get called in to investigate all sorts of different things that can happen in a home. And unfortunately, or fortunately enough, if you purchase a home, you want to make sure you're maintaining it because there are a lot of things that can just go wrong in a home that we accidentally, you know, don't realize we need to service things. And then we create problems for ourselves. No, you're absolutely right. That is a a central goal for this show is to remind people that your home isn't just, you know, a once and done. You don't move in and then sell it in 20 years and not have to do anything in the in-between. Yeah. A lot of people are very surprised when they when they hear how often they have to change their furnace filter. (laughs) Isn't it crazy? I mean, I've seen, I just had a client two days ago and they basically said, I said, when's the last time you changed your filter or had your uh, HVAC serviced? And they said, 10 years. And I said, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) And usually when that is the issue, everything else hasn't been serviced, right? So as you go in with me, I'll say, okay, now they've got a dander problem. They probably had pets in the home at some point and they've got an in, you know, influx of proteins and they've got mold and all sorts of things. So when you see people not servicing, it's usually multiple problems that are going on. At yeah. Once. Yeah. Yeah. Mold is definitely one of the things that we deal with a lot here in the Pacific Northwest um, to the point where they have changed the building code uh, that requires that framing in a new home or even a remodel uh, has to be a 19% moisture content in the lumber uh, before they'll let you close it in and push rock and that sort of stuff in. So, so we've been evolving as well. And that we understand, of course, that the code changes so much and you just have to stay on it. So your job, it makes perfect sense that it, that it uh, progresses and evolves as the time goes on and codes change and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and sometimes they change for the better and sometimes they don't, but it's, it's good to see that, in the area of mold and water infiltration that people are making advances. But like we said before, the the weather patterns are just making everybody susceptible. And, you know, people can argue climate change or whatnot. But, you know, over the last, I'd say, five years, we have seen in this water industry have seen significant changes, not only in the amount of relative humidity that we have to deal with in homes, but then the amount of water and we know, I mean, we just get busier and busier because the homes aren't built to handle it. Right. How So it, you mentioned something earlier about um, dehumidifying. Is that something that's becoming um, more and more commonplace? It's becoming almost absolutely mandatory, especially um, in the Northeast where we are or where I am. It's we with the climate, you know, as you have these seasonal changes, Um, predominantly the problem happens in the spring and the fall. So people often think, well, hot, humid, that's the worst time of year for mold and relative humidity. But really, that's not true. When it's the worst is when you've got these differentials in temperature happening. So, you know, your block is cold, your basement concrete, you go into your basement, it feels nice and cool and it's damp. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not good when you have an influx of hot temperature coming in. So when those two meet, if you have cold block, warm air, you're going to condensate. And that's how people get all of these mold issues that happen because they'll say, well, I've never saw any water at all. I've never had a flood and you don't need to have a flood. It's really important for people to understand you can get mold growth just from condensation alone and water vapor. 
And that happens when you have differentials in temperature meeting in your home. It may be in your basement. It may be in your attic. You know, as you go south into Texas and Florida and places like that, we have to deal a lot with condensation that happens in the attic versus the in the basement. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's important for people to realize that the spring and the fall are really times of year where you get a lot of this change happening and you will get a lot of sweating and things that can occur. And if it's not properly dehumidified, you're going to end up with, you know, mold issues. And that's what we're seeing a lot of. Also, with new construction, what's happened is we built these building envelopes so tight that the air conditioning doesn't come on frequently or the heat doesn't come on frequently, which is a good thing for our energy bills. We love that, right? The air conditioning yeah, comes on right. once a day and you maintain a, a comfortable temperature of 72 degrees. The problem with that is that we use mechanical air conditioning to remove relative humidity. Um, it's just one of the benefits of using air conditioning. But what's happened is because it's coming on less frequent because of energy efficiency, now we're seeing relative humidity levels get really high in homes, which is not a good thing. Why? I mean, what is the biggest uh, problem with having a high relative humidity? Is it causing mold? Yes. Well, it causes mold. It causes moisture. I mean, it can damage, you know, your flooring, your infrastructure. It's not good to have moisture at that because high moisture content will, you know, basically cause things to delaminate, to break down. We see a lot of um, houses where they had really wet basements with a lot of the engineered lumber that's, you know, been happening over the years in the mm -hmm. flooring systems. And when these things get wet and there's a, like a high level of moisture in the air, they start to break down and you don't have to have a flood. They just need to have a constant stream of high relative humidity and they will start to delaminate and, and decompose. So that's a concern. Also, the fact is um, high relative humidity or moisture doesn't always mean mold. It also means bugs. You'll start to have influx of all types of, you know, creatures crawling around in your home. Mm -hmm. Yuck. You, may, you may have rodents and animals that come in for moisture as well. So if it's got a great environment, it's got food, it's got air, it's got water, it's going to come. So mold will come, rodents will come, bugs will come. And then believe it or not, dust mites are a huge, they're a huge factor with relative humidity. So the higher your relative humidity, the more dust mites you'll have. And that causes allergens and proteins. And these are little biological creatures that you can't see by the naked eye, mm, but they run rampant and cause all kinds of mayhem. So I want to hear more about that, Caroline, but we have to take a quick break. Yeah, don't go away. We'll be right back with Caroline Blazowski. You're listening to Tony and Core, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking with Caroline Blazowski from uh, America's Healthy Home Expert. Uh, we've got her on the line. And Caroline, before the break, we were talking about how relative humidity causes mold and dust mites. You were talking a little bit about dust mites. I'm sorry I cut you off, but what? That's really... Um, Ooh, it's gross. It's making my skin crawl a little bit. <laughs> It is gross. It is. It is gross. And 
dust mites feed on dander. So what's kind of interesting is we all shed dander, right? We're not hyperallergenic. I and thought some cats, of us shed more. I thought like, cats guys, shed. <laughs> cat you dander. Guys probably, yeah. probably shed more dander than me. That's what I'm going to say. You're dirtier than me, you guys. Yeah, so, you're probably right. <laughs> so we all shed dander, just like pets do. Pets often get blamed a lot. You know, you always hear cats and dogs and birds and getting blamed. But in reality, we all shed too. So it's important to realize that that's a food source for dust mites. Now you put a little bit of relative humidity or moisture in there, and guess what? You got a perfect soup, and they want to come, and these little buggers want to hang out with you. Mm. That uh, in in dust mites are very unhealthy. Yeah, super um, super allergenic, right? Uh, Correct. So they produce a protein that actually. It's gross. Actually, when they, I don't know how to say it politely, but when they excrete their feces, <laughs> they, they drop a protein that can actually uh, irritate people. That's, that's even worse than I thought. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is getting worse and worse. <laughs> so when we think about um, all of these things, the relative humidity, the dehumidifiers and the things that we're doing, this is not a one-time treatment though, right? If, if we're having the problem, right? We have mm -hmm. condensation, we have high relative humidity, and we have the mold and the stuff, then we have to go and treat that. But if we go and treat it, that doesn't mean it's not going to reoccur, right? So it can reoccur. And that's why we want to make sure that we're dehumidifying all the time. And we're really proud because we've come up with a lot of state-of-the-art concepts now with dehumidification, where we can use the HVAC system, run a separate dehumidification system, without using the CFM of the furnace, using its own separate CFM of the unit and start to dehumidify these homes constantly, you know, within your, the, the majority part of the living space, I'm taking out the basement. In basements, we can do freestanding units and all kinds of things. And you wanna do this no matter what region you live in, you know, barring the real, the desert areas, you know, in the country, people are gonna start to wanna dehumidify pretty regularly. So we're talking about a permanent fixture in the home that keeps your home from re-entering the same situation before because the weather is going to be the weather. If your home is susceptible in the area that it's at, then a permanent fixture to address those issues all the time is, is Correct. that's what we need. Correct. And for many reasons, right? So we're doing it for the mold reason. We're doing it to keep bugs down. And we're also doing it to keep healthy as far as dust mites, dander, and indoor air pollution. Mm. So it's, it's one of the easiest things you can do for the home. People overlook it but it's one of the best and healthiest things you can do. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. It's, I mean, I, I, I'm containing myself from rushing out and buying one right now. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about um, how people might determine that this is a problem that they're having. Uh, you did mention that um, sometimes people will suffer um, health issues, right, and not understand what is causing it. But Apart from just the health issues, what are some other ways that people can, well, let's say, test their home to make sure that that's not something that they're that they're having a problem with currently? Right. So if they want to do something really easy, and I always do this with my clients, like when they call me before we do a mold test or indoor air testing, depending on what I'm doing with them, I always say, I want you to go out and get a hygrometer, go to you know a local hardware store pick one up, something that reads relative humidity and temperature, you know, don't spend a lot of money, $15 max, 
put it in your house and start looking at what your relative humidity and temperature are. And you've got to get used to people to looking at this and saying, my relative humidity should be between 30 and 50%. That's my level. I actually like you to be in the 40s, but that's sort of my threshold. So between 30 and 50%, if you're running higher than that, and you're monitoring it, then you need to bring somebody in like myself to one to test for mold, but then also to start like a dehumidification protocol so we can get you, you know, getting that relative humidity to a better level. Well, that's a great suggestion then. There is something that you can go and get and have in the house that tells you, hey, Mm -hmm. this is this is what your relative humidity is in your home. And everybody should have one. And some of the, you know, some of the thermostats have them built in. And I don't know, you might know better. I think like that they have the nests now and mm-hmm. these, you know, these automated systems that are linked to your apps and all of that. So I think a lot of them do have relative humidity, but people don't even know that it's there. So you just have to look for it. Oh, that's very good to know. And I didn't realize that relative humidity uh, could potentially be such a dangerous, right? Like you didn't realize it played such an important role yeah. for air quality. And that's, and it's something that's so easy to, um, to monitor. It's simple. And the other thing that you want to keep in mind, too, is people often think that relative humidity is linked to temperature. So they often think, well, if my temperature is higher, I'm going to have higher relative humidity. That's just a concept because when it's hot and humid, people associate it. It's actually a misconception. So when it's higher temperature, your relative humidity will go down. So it's opposite. When the air is colder, you're going to have you're going to condense faster. So it's just so people understand that the colder it gets just from temperature, your relative humidity will go up. The hotter it gets in temperature, your relative humidity goes down. So if you're keeping your house really cold, like around 65 degrees, you've got to be careful because you're going to end up upping your relative humidity in the home. So this is a great argument for my wife who likes to keep the temperature up in the, you know, 80s in the house. That's right. And she's keeping your relative humidity low, even though she's baking you out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, and that, that may be her goal. Yeah, that could very well be. Well, that makes that makes really good sense. And, and it actually brings a comfort level because I know, you know, we talk about how those things can be and how difficult it could be to uh, diagnose something like that. But if you're keeping uh, tabs on your relative humidity, then you can avoid those problems or at the very least detect them early and get it taken care of. So that's, that is a great piece of advice. Yeah. And it's real simple to do. And I, I, all my clients, that's the first thing I have them go out and purchase at the hardware store. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm okay. I'm going to put the, the dehumidifier on hold and I'm just going to go out and get, uh, I'm just going to go out and get a a hygrometer. Yeah. Yeah. Hygrometer. That's right. Do you say with with a G hygrometer? Hygrometer or anything that measures temperature and relative humidity. That is uh, that is absolutely perfect. That's a, that's the perfect start to our show. This is exactly what our listeners want. Really good advice: how to avoid m- major catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know what works good too. Have you ever seen those little Accurate uh, digital weather stations? Those are cool too. You can put them in your house, and you can do your inside temperature and your outside, and those are great too. Like just to play around with and see, you know, what where you're at and how healthy your home is, and. So when um, when you uh, you determine that your relative humidity is running higher than it should, and somebody calls uh, Caroline Blazowski because she is the healthy home expert, you would come out and you would perform a test to determine you know what their liability is, and and then you would suggest going forward some sort of mold remediation. And is 
is that something you do, you do a lot, mold remediation? We do. Well, I do the testing piece. So now I do homes nationally. And now what we develop test kits where anybody can test their home for volatile organics. Uh, those are VOCs, things associated with chemicals. They can test for molds. They can test for mycotoxin. They can test for proteins, danders. I mean, we do extensive things. So no matter where you are, you can test. We cover the tri-state area. We're in New, Jer New Jersey and New York. So we'll go out in those locations if you need us. But everywhere else in the country, people just call us. We send them what they need. They do the test. It comes back to our lab. And within you know a week at the most, we have all the results. Oh, wow. So you have your own lab that you can just you know, yeah. do, run this information. If somebody's curious, they can go, where do they go? Do they go to my or healthyhomeexpert.com? Yeah, healthyhomeexpert.com. Or they can go on Instagram. They can go on Facebook. They can go on LinkedIn, whatever they need. They type in my healthy home is the name of the company. And healthy home expert um, is also a title I use. So they can just find us easy to find. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what uh, that's exactly what our listeners are listening to find out. That is great. Something that uh, goes right along with this that is something that Corey and I talk about pretty regularly is the challenge of introducing, intentionally introducing fresh air into the home. And so we would like to uh, spend a little bit of time during the next segment probably talking to you about mm, suggestions and ideas and the best way maybe to tackle something like that both in, in an old older home and then plans that they could, if they were building a new home, what what they would do. But before we get to that, we got to take a quick break. So don't go away, folks. We'll be right back. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking about having a healthy home. You know, I think during the uh, during the break, Tony and I were talking a little bit uh, about healthy air, but it's not just about air. It's having a healthy home. And I didn't realize, Tony, that there are dust mites and allergens. You know, those don't just cause you know, asthma and things like that. I mean, they can cause rashes, sickness, sickness. Yeah. So we've got a professional uh, expert on the show today, Carolyn Blazowski. Uh, Carolyn, what are some of the other things that people need to think about with having a healthy home, not just with the air, but with everything in a home? Well, there's so many things that really can go wrong in a home. You know, we always talk about the big ones, right? You'll hear about lead, you'll hear about radon, and, you know, everyone should be testing for radon, especially if you make renovations to your home. It's one of the leading causes of cancer in the country. And, you know, formaldehyde, when they did a cancer report in 2009 that went to the president, they basically looked at, you know, what were the major causes of cancer and formaldehyde was on that list. Oh. Um, and that's a big issue now. And the way we build 
our personal care products, our building products contain a lot of formaldehyde. So I'm constantly, when I'm doing testing for VOCs, I'm making sure that my clients do test for formaldehyde. And, and we do have a much higher level in our homes just because of the way we build than Europe, for example. Wow. we I noticed that Corey and I both actually, uh, as working for Par Lumber Company and being suppliers of building materials, we regularly hear about products coming out, new products or advancements on products that are coming out formaldehyde free. And it, and I guess I never really, until I'm talking to you about it now, I never really realized why I would care if the product that I was buying was formaldehyde free or not. But it's becoming very clear to me now, as you talk about that being something that's a, that's a cancer causer, that's terrible. Yeah. And it does other things too, you know, besides potentially being a cancer causer, there are, you know, irritations and lung irritations and things associated with formaldehyde. So, um, and you know, it's often hard because people say, well, where is it coming from? How do I know where it is? If it's already in my cabinetry, if it's already in my building products, how do I get rid of it? And that brings us to what we were kind of talking about in the break is if we do have these issues, what can we do with ventilation and fresh air intakes that can help with situations like volatile mm-hmm. organics and formaldehyde and things like that? What is your take on this? I had a, a customer one time who uh, was sued. He was sued by his homeowners. Uh, he built a home and two or three years later, uh, the homeowners came back and they had all of these tests ran inside their home and they had all of these very high levels of formaldehyde. So mm-hmm. they sued my builder uh, and it became just a mess, right? You know, he had to, he had to hire attorneys and there was this big legal battle, but the biggest thing, his biggest argument was that these the people that purchased the home, they came in and they put all brand new flooring. They mm-hmm. brought in all of these, uh, you know, furnishings inside the home. And he was able to provide to them all of the items that he put into the home and the levels of formaldehyde that are stated in those products, but they right. could not provide that. So it, to me, it sounds like a lot of products that are out on the market today, not just in construction, but, you know, in furniture, in all of these things. And I didn't right. realize that formaldehyde was such a a big deal. Yeah, it, it's, you know, they put it in pillows. They'll put it in foam. They'll put it, you know, there's a lot of things that it goes into, I guess, as a preservative. I guess it has some fundamental purpose when they're built, you know. Yeah, I mean, something. it must. Yeah, But, you know, the, the you can make these things without it. I mean, you can get many pillows that don't have formaldehyde in them and certain brands put it in. And, you know, when you've got your face, you know, face down in something that is a potential carcinogen, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> yeah. And the problem is the builders, you know, they don't know, right? They're right. going and putting products in and they're trusting that products are safe. And this has been my, um, I guess, my my soapbox for a while is that we really need some kind of, we regulate everything, right? We regulate everything up the wazoo, but we don't ever look at building and our homes so directly impact our wellness that I think there should be a regulatory board assessing these types of products and what's going into a home because the way we figure out, right, that something's bad is it's like, look at asbestos for years and years and years, they used it. And then eventually so many people died and got cancer that eventually John's Manville had to correct that situation. But look how long it took and look at the process. It took, you know, 
way too long. So I think that's the same thing that's happening now. And, and we really do need some type of a board or whether just professionals that sit on something to help kind of regulate this would be helpful. But yeah, this is a great uh, topic of conversation to bring to the listeners too, because people are out there buying products for their remodels or for their new construction or whatever that it is. And it's a, it's a testament to how important it is that you have a good idea of what is in the products that you're buying. I mean, if, if you're looking at insulation for the office that you added onto your house, uh, and there's an insulation that's formaldehyde free and an insulation that's not, uh, and until somebody hears somebody say like Corey and I did today, Hey, that's something you don't want in your insulation. Um, it's, it's really, uh, something that we should be talking about. It's, it's great that we're having this conversation right now. And I, and I think too, you know, what are your needs as a builder or a contractor or just a person who's maybe doing remodeling? Uh -huh. You know, when you go in, everybody has different needs. Some people might have children at home with asthma. So you're going to be, want to be a lot more cognizant about what you're bringing in. Some people might be doing a big remodel, right? So the more products you're using, now you've got to be a little bit more conscious because you're doing a giant you know, impact on your immune system, your body, your house, your wellness, where if you're just putting in flooring, maybe it's not going to make such a big deal. So I think you have to take each situation into consideration. And then you want to look at what products you're getting. And you know, the whole thing that went on with lumber liquidators and the flooring. And, oh, yeah. You know, you got to look at your safety data sheets on products they are readily available for any product that you want to purchase, whether it's, you know, paints or flooring, Look at a safety data sheet. And for people who don't know what that is, it's basically a list of the chemical compounds that are in your products. And you can assess, like you could look at two products. I look at drywall all the time. Not all dry, drywall is equal. And people think, oh, it's drywall. Well, what does it matter? I can tell you from working with these different companies that certain companies put more chemicals into their drywall than others. And there's only certain drywalls that I'll use on jobs and also in my own home because I know the difference. So I think it's important for people to realize, you know, not all products are the same and you should really investigate it. You know, mm. it takes time, but it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So that brings me to my next point of conversation. If you, well, you will, you are in a home and some of the things in the home uh, have formaldehyde and these other chemicals that you don't want to be breathing regularly. So you can't just replace everything that's inside the home. People, people can't afford to do that. But what you can do is make sure that you're providing yourself and the interior of your home with fresh air on a regular basis. That's your that's your way of combating these types of things, providing yourself fresh air. I think what we assume pretty regularly, Caroline, is that we're at home and home is safety and the air I'm breathing here is my air. So it's probably clean, right? Because I don't do anything in here that would make it not clean. Uh, but the fact is, because you can't see it, you just assume that it's good. And then what we're realizing is that we're really breathing stale air most of the time, because especially in the wintertime, the windows are closed because it's cold outside and we aren't intentionally providing fresh air to the home. What is your suggestion to, you know, and, and I know we're going to have to take a quick break and come back to this, but be thinking about what your suggestion is for homeowners who can't afford to go out and do a big remodel or um, add uh, an HRV or an ERV. And we can talk about that. Um, what is your suggestion for people who need to have intentional fresh air in their home, but don't? And we're going to cover that. I promise. As soon as we come back, you're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. 
Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show with Tony and Corey. Built by Par Lumber. Go where the builders go. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have the know-how and the answers to make your life a bit easier. So here they are, the hosts of the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. If you haven't already, go check us out on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Show. Uh, if you'd like to send us an email or a, a comment, you can check us out on the website at par.com. That's P-A-R-R.com. Click on the Weekend Warriors link, and both Tony and I's, Tony and I's information is there. Uh, feel free to shoot us a call or a message. Yeah. Uh, today on the show, we're talking with Caroline Blazowski. With, uh, she's America's Healthy Home Expert. Uh, you can go to her website at healthyhomeexpert.com if you have any questions or if you uh, if you hear something on the show, you're like, I want to buy that. She also sells it. Uh, Caroline, before the break, we were talking about, Tony was talking about an ERV or an HRV. Uh, we've talked about this on this show so many times, but I'm not sure I really know the difference between an ERV and an HRV. Well, the one's controlling the heat component, and then the other one is also controlling heat and humidity. And it and it becomes an issue, again, when we're talking about transferring heat and heat and moisture, right? So where you position yourself in the country is going to determine what kind of system is going to work best for you. The problem is becoming that we're having all these strange weather patterns, which are confusing our environments. So that's the same thing with the building envelope issue, right? So, you know, in the Northeast, we've been getting torrential downpours. And right now we're having 80 degree weather in October with 100% relative humidity. That is Uh not normal for us. We're And we keep saying it. We're saying, oh, it feels like Florida here. And I don't know (laughs) what's happening with you guys if your weather's changing too. But with us, it's been a real problem. I mean, do you see difference? differences as well we do we do uh there's been you know all kinds of summers where it's you know really hot and dry and then we've had summers that it's you know unusually cool we've had it snowed here it never (laughs) snows in portland oregon (laughs) never rarely rarely right a couple years ago we had a big one where we had uh, a a couple feet yeah i mean it, it seems to be uh, year after year, Caroline, as we go along, it seems to be that the warmer weather is hanging around longer. I remember as a kid in this uh, in this same area that when you were in October and Halloween was around the corner, it was already coat weather and beanie. You know, right. you were outside. If you were outside, it was cold. And yet we're still having extremely warm weather um, right now in, into October and and. We've only had just a little tiny bit of rain. So, yeah, it's weird, and it's changing for sure. And I don't know where it's going. I, I keep expecting that there's going to be this big, um, you know, this big correction, and, and we're going to have a, a cold, you know, late summer, but it just has, hasn't happened yet. No, and, and the same thing is I'm sitting here in shorts and a T-shirt talking to you in the middle of October, and we've had your rain. I mean, we have had a summer of rain that is nothing like we've ever seen. So, but, and and this goes back to the building problem. So now we've got these houses that are not built for conditions that they're used to. And what do we do about it? So the, you know, ventilation systems are great. And and that's why uh, the systems that I recommend for dehumidification also have ventilation 
um, incorporated into them. But we're making sure that when we're bringing in that air, we're not allowing the humid air to be impacted. So we're treating it before it's coming in, which is important because you don't want to be bringing humid air in. If you only have a unit that is not is allowed to transfer moisture in, you're going to have an issue, especially if you if you already have relative humidity that's high. So we're incorporating these units into a dehumidification system as well. They're part of the same unit. Um, so yeah, it's it's. Uh, I definitely believe in them. I, I like to use them. And, and I told you the downside is you have to be careful if you're going to use a system bringing fresh air, where's the fresh air coming from, right? So if oh, you're yeah, in the city, yeah. the city can be problematic. You know, any type of area where people spray pesticide, where maybe you've got dryer vents closed, neighbors closed, car exhaust closed, it makes it challenging to bring fresh air in. So that's that's type of thing. You've got to have fresh air available to bring it in. Yeah, I f you know, it's an interesting point that you make because here in the Pacific Northwest, and obviously not everywhere, but here in the Pacific Northwest, I feel like that our population is so much more sparse and less dense that um, we generally have a lot of space around the house where everything outside of the doors is is fresh air. Of course, unless you're like you said, in the city, downtown Portland or, or something like that. But I think we, we just don't consider that, um, that dynamic as often when we're talking about bringing fresh air inside the house, right. what that you could be, we may, could be talking to somebody who is in a very densely populated area. And maybe that could, that in and of itself could be a challenge. Yeah. And when you're dealing with New York, you know, New Jersey, we have 9 million at least population. Pennsylvania has got 12 million. So you're talking about really densely populated areas and it becomes very challenging to get a lot of fresh air. Um, so, you know, those are just things as we move forward. That's why this healthy home issue is so close to my heart is that we really need to all work together as a team because you can't one thing affects somebody else. It's the same with uh, EMFs and exposures to all kinds of technologies that we have now. We all impact each other, whether we realize it or not. Right. Yeah, I, I didn't, when you were talking about the dehumidifying uh, system that you were recommending that people put in their house, I, I didn't imagine that that would be bringing fresh air in from outside, but that is, that really solves that problem. There is just so many homes, and I know you already know this because uh, you're an expert, there's so many homes out there that just don't have intentional fresh air. If their windows aren't open, they're not getting it. And, uh, and it's really something that people need to be addressing. Yeah, Tony, yeah. you actually had that question. Uh, what if somebody can't afford to do, you know, to put in an HRV or an ERV or a dehumidification system? What What are some tips for people in that situation? And that's that's a good question. So what I recommend is for you to understand every product that you bring into your home, whether it's a personal care product, deodorant, hairsprays, toothpaste, um, you know, anything that you use, you store wine in the house, you drink beer in the house, all of these things outgas VOCs, every single thing, not just your building products or flooring, your cabinetry, all that stuff does too, but all your personal care products, you know, if you have cats, dogs, you have to think about what you're bringing into your home and then really decide if it's necessary for you to have it. And remember that you don't want to store a lot of things like don't store women were notorious for storing lots of perfume, storing hair products. You want to store one of each thing. Those things are constantly outgassing. Things like paint cans, they're no-nos in houses for me because they're constantly leaching out of the can. You think it's sealed, but it's not. So those types of things, removing excess is so important and mm -hmm. helps improve your air quality and it's free. You know, Tony does a lot of off-gassing. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> <laughs> 
Terrible. Absolutely terrible. That is that is really great advice. I, I mean, you think that what you have is closed or sealed because it's got a lid on it. Uh, or in something Corey and I comment on very regularly, you think, well, that's out in the garage. It's not bothering wow. me if it's out in the garage, but you know as well as we do that uh, uh, so the fresh the hair the hair that's coming into the house oftentimes is coming from the garage. Yeah, everything that's connected to your house, you know, your garage included, if you have an attached garage, all of that is part of that airspace. So when I test your home, I know exactly if you're storing too much gasoline, if you have too much toluene, if you have too much benzene. These are all things that are potential carcinogens. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today on the show, we're talking about having a healthy home. And we're talking with Caroline Blazowski. With, uh, she's, she's America's healthy home expert. I keep saying with, uh, but the name of your company is what? My Healthy Home. My Healthy Home. <laughs> That's, so right before we went to the break, we were also talking about My Healthy Garage. Uh, because uh, you were saying if you come and test a home you're going to be able to see if they're storing that stuff in the garage because it's going to show up even if you're testing inside the house. Correct. So everything that's in your building space, garage included, that all contributes to your chemical load that's in your in your air quality. So when I test homes, I can tell if people are storing too many cars, if they're storing weed whackers, you know, snow blowers, extra gas cans, you know, whatever it may be, that shows up in your sample. And you were saying that that it would make so much more sense to have a detached garage than an attached garage, which seems to me in my time the opposite of what I think people generally see as a benefit. I think, I think there was a time when most garages were detached, and then we kind of went backwards on that and started attaching garages more often. And we're realizing now maybe that we should be going back the other direction again? Yes. So if you think about it, if you start your car up in your garage, you know all the fumes that come off your gas. You have benzene, toluene, you name it. Those are all carcinogens. And so when that launches into your air, you're breathing that in. So the minute you start that car, that's all going into your airspace, covering your furniture, your your walls, everything. So, yeah. you know, when I test these things, I see it and I it's hard for me to, you know, go back to thinking we should have attached garages. You've, should. you've seen too much, Caroline. Yeah. You've seen too much at this point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's very easy for us to think, but that's in the garage. And it, what you're saying makes perfect sense. And we need to definitely be more conscious of the things that we're storing in the garage because, like you said, it's, we're sharing one airspace. Well, Tony, how many old paint cans do you have in your garage? I mean, right now, I probably have 20. I have way more than I should have. I should that have zero, probably. Bad. bad. You, that can is constantly leaching into your, until it dries up and doesn't leach anymore, but it's constantly leaching out of the can. It's not completely sealed. And as it is, when you paint, 
that paint stays around for at least 18 months after you paint. Whether you use low VOC, no VOC, it doesn't matter. Those chemical compounds associated with paint stay after you paint for a very long time. So if you leave those cans there and I come in and test your air, your volatiles, just based on the fact you have 10 paint cans, are probably 3,000 BOCs. You're supposed to be under 500 to be healthy. Oh so just goodness. to give you an idea, you're probably at 3,000 just with paint. So wow. you're telling us we should never paint our homes? No, that's no, not what she's saying. That, no, it's you want to, but you have to be cognizant that it's staying around for much longer than you realize. And that, you know, there's some people who like to paint walls like they change shoes, right? Yeah, so that's true. you just need to be a little bit understanding that every time you do that, you are exposing yourself to volatile organics. It doesn't mean not to do it. It just means maybe you don't want to do it every six months or every three months. You want to be, you know, a little bit spread it out a little bit. Yeah. So, well, so going back to, you know, doing it on a budget or people that are on a budget and they don't necessarily have the money to, you know, put into an expensive HVAC system, you know, what are, what are some of those things? What if you do paint your home and you're thinking to yourself, oh man, I have all these VOCs. Are there simple, easy ways, you know, obviously reducing the amount of things you have stored, you said perfumes, mm -hmm. looking at your uh, maybe your household cleaning products? Is that another Correct. thing mm -hmm. you need to Removing look at? Everything you store is going to be outgassing something. So you want to try not to store a lot of things. Don't carry like five, you know, conditioner bottles and five soap bottles and try to reduce. That's easy. That's something simple you can do. Also, obviously, ventilation is important. Still open your windows, you know, when it's the relative humidity. And this goes back to that monitor. Get your own personal monitor. When the relative humidity is low outside and it's good, open the windows, ventilate, exchange the air. That The old adage still works, you know, so get as much fresh air in the house as you can and that'll help. And don't store paint cans. Don't paint store cans. paint cans. And this is the part of the show where Corey and I start pointing fingers at each other because we both feel guilty. Uh, Corey parks his car in his garage, Caroline. Tell him, tell him <laughs> well, to stop doing that. So do a lot of people like, look, people would look at me like I have two heads, but when you test air quality, like I do every day and you see people who are sick and the things that can happen to me, you know, I drive a really nice car, but it just doesn't go in the garage. It just doesn't belong in my home. Yeah. So I don't, you know, that's just makes sense to me. And I hope people will kind of think about that concept and maybe rethink some stuff. But another really good tip. If you, um, if you are, I mean, obviously not everybody can afford to go out and replace their windows, but if you are facing a, an opportunity to replace windows or you're doing a remodel and you're going to replace your windows or you're going to building a new home, choose windows maybe that have, or correct me if I'm wrong, um, of a vent in the frame. Have you seen these types of windows that have a little vent in the frame? You can just open that up and there's always a little ventilation coming through the window. Or is that a problem? No, I have not seen that. Who makes a window like that? Because I haven't seen anything. I, I know Marvin. I know Anderson. I, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I, I, I'm not certain. I believe that Plygem has a, a vent available in the in the frame. But I was just looking at some windows in a home the other day that had those little vents in there. And I don't know, though. I mean, I don't know if that's negatively affecting your relative humidity in the home or it could be. Um, can you? I guess you can shut the vents, right? You can open or shut. Yeah, they're you can adjustable. Yeah, they slide. Yeah, so it, it would be the same, right? So it would be like when you have days outside where your relative humidity is, you know, relatively low, under fifty-five percent. Open it up and let it in. You know, it's the same thing like a window. That's cool. That's very cool. Uh, so let, let's talk a little bit too about this. If you say uh, the relative humidity outside is high and you don't want to bring that in, you don't want to just close up your house like a submarine, right? 
Well, you want to run your HVAC system. So if you've got air conditioning, you know, if you've got high relative humidity outside, chances are it's going to be warm. So you're going to want to run, you know, your air conditioning inside, keep your windows closed. But if you get a day where it's really damp and you've got low temperature outside, that's when you need a rel- you may have to have some type of dehumidification system inside because your gotcha. HVAC's just not going to come on. And, and you can do have, that with you know, just a dehumidifier that plugs into correct. the wall. Right, correct. <laughs> or or 12 of them maybe. Right. I don't know. Or, I don't, you know, like I said, that's why we're going to these whole house systems where the dehumidification can run now through the HVAC and right. you know, it it you know, versus a standalone unit like you're talking about. One thing Tony and I always talk about is the importance of running your vent fans when you're doing any sort of like taking a shower it's really Mm -hmm. important to run that fan in the bathroom it's also really important to run that fan if you're boiling water or cooking on the stove Uh, not just to get rid of you know the smoke you know when you burn bacon that's one thing but if you're boiling water all of that humidity is going into the air that's right and also they have the vents now with the ervs built into them right in the bathroom you can do an energy recovery ventilator if you have access to an outside wall so that's really too yeah in the bathroom the i know a couple brands make you know it's obviously an exhaust fan but it also has an erv built into it i did not know that i didn't either but that is that is that's that's news that i need because i feel like uh i feel like i don't have a an intentional fresh air provider in my home. My home's built very tight. Uh, it's about 10 years old. Um, but but you also don't have a an HVAC system. I do not. I don't have a furnace at all. Or, right, and, so, and some people, even if they do have a furnace, right, they may be running baseboard heat or hot water or steam. So I like, and Panasonic is the company that makes it. So they can, people can check it out. But the, yeah, there's, and I think there's another company too. But those are great because, they're secondary, you know, you don't need to have the HVAC system. Right. And you could potentially run that uh, at any time during the day. Yeah. Not just necessarily when you're taking a shower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. And since Corey only showers once every other week, he would definitely need to be running it uh, more often uh, than just when he's in the shower. Okay. So we got to take another quick break. Uh, when we come back more with Caroline Blazowski and her healthy home and your healthy home, you're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. We'll be right back. Show with Tony and Corey, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today in the show, we're talking with Caroline Blazowski from America's Healthy Home, uh, or I'm sorry, Healthy Home Expert. <laughs> she, she is she the is. Healthy Home Expert, yes. And Caroline, thank you so much for being with us today. We are learning so much. I mean, my, my, my head is growing 
Um, I've got so much more information than I had when we started, and so Which we're super excited. almost impossible because his head is huge. Super excited to have you on the show. Um, during the break, I, I like to do this. I always like to let the listeners know what they missed out on when uh, they were listening to commercials. But during the break, we were talking a little bit about cleaning products, and, and we were talking about your ability to see what's going on in a home, even when it's not going on. This is the degree to which you can test the air quality in somebody's home. Tell us about um, testing the air quality and, and, and you know, just how in depth it tells you what you need to know. I mean, it's, it's really amazing where the industry has advanced. And so we can tell things that people are cleaning with, what kind of cleaning products you're using. Are you storing gas in the house? Do you drink alcohol? Do you have mothballs? I mean, these are things that, you know, people are blown away by when we test what we can tell them. I've had clients who were sick because they had too much horse dander. I've had people sick where they didn't know that their husband was cleaning a gun and he had too much gun solvent in the air. And then we approached them and told them, and the woman said, your tests are faulty, but we know these things and we can pinpoint them. So it's pretty interesting. That is very interesting. Very interesting. I'm surprised you're not like on the retainer for the NYPD or something. Maybe you are and you can't say it because it's a big secret. But uh, it's really, I, I don't think people realize, you know, you can really tell a lot by people's air quality. So we can tell how you're living, how dirty you're cleaning, you know, and, and not you do it intentionally. You don't know you're doing it, but we can tell if you're cleaning, if you're vacuuming, all these great things without asking you the question. And again, we were talking about this earlier. Knowledge is power. And so whether you feel like you're being pinpointed or being told that you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, knowing is better than not knowing. And so the situation here is what we're talking about right now is that if if people go to your website, healthyhomeexpert.com, they can purchase um a testing kit there right and you send it to them they can they call us and they can they can we can test for anything so you know peanut allergens we deal with children who have peanut allergies we test for dog cat you know cockroach horse all kinds of chemicals that you can imagine and mold and mycotoxins so it's it's endless now and it's just growing so you were you were talking a little bit about some cleaning products that uh, are very commonplace in the home today that really we just would not know is something that we shouldn't be using. What are some of these things? Like you, I think you said disinfecting wipes or bacteria wipes. Right. The bacterial wipes and we're all guilty of this and they really taint your air sample. So they actually launch a lot of things like D-limonene, which is a citrus um, scent. You know, anytime you smell a citrus, that launches up your VOCs and causes you to be breathing in more volatile organics. And any volatile organic, just because it's natural or unnatural, doesn't make it better than the other. The body still has to clear it. So it's interesting that they come up a lot on samples and they really do create a lot of um, VOCs. And people think they're benign and they're using them all the time and they think they're healthy, but in reality, they really do compromise your air quality. All right, now I have a really important question. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's always funny when he says that, you know, I don't know why, but it makes me laugh every time. Well, not because uh, I'm doing this uh, or I, I know somebody. This, yeah, this is where you say, I have this friend. I have a friend. that, uh, And it's not me. Who uses a lot of essential oils in those little diffusers. Excellent question. Only 15 minutes a day. That's the max that you should be using an essential oil. And when you actually heat it, the molecules can become so tiny 
that there's been cases where it can actually shut down your kidneys and affect your liver. Oh my so goodness. So people are using these natural essential oils, and I say this all the time, you can only use them for a certain amount of time per day, and there's more and more studies coming out that show that these little molecules off of these products, when they're heated, can actually be detrimental to your health. So the probably the same thing would go towards burning a lot of candles. Scented mm-hmm. candles. Yes. Using those uh, warmers, melting wax, those sorts of yeah. things. Incense burning, all of that stuff, that all adds to your VOCs. And if you're using that, it's real easy to inundate yourself with it and go over a threshold that's healthy. Man, I had no idea. Well, you know, uh, in the Pacific Northwest, burning incense is probably pretty <laughs> popular. <laughs> I know it is. Yeah, I know. And in California as well. I'm sure but it is. But these things, just because they're natural, doesn't mean that they're safe or healthy. Yeah. So it's it's a, they all add up to VOCs. Any kind of fragrance adds to your VOC. So let me so ask. that's why it's important. Green, just because something's green doesn't mean it's yeah, good for you. Yeah, true. It's uh, anything in excess, right? That's right. So exactly. let me ask you this. What are some things that somebody would look out for? You know, what what are some health issues or, or in your experience and in your expertise what are some things that you've come across where you've said, let me test your home. And then you find some things and you say, this is what's causing that. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've had people who we've removed mold and mycotoxin exposure. Molds produce mycotoxins, which are neurotoxins. And also they deplete your immune system. I've had clients where we've cleaned up their homes and they had cancer and their cancer went into remission. Can we say that it was us? I don't know. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I've seen lots of things reverse. I've seen learning disabilities reverse. I've seen people who have these nondescript symptoms, headaches, you know, fibromyalgia, all these different things, you know, reverse. So, uh, you know, I don't claim that we're going to fix your problem, but I definitely have seen over 20 years, a lot of positive health effects. And that's why I do what I do. Yeah. Just, you know, people get healthier and I, I know in my heart, and this is why I do it, that there is a direct correlation between your environment and your wellness. End of story. No, I think you're absolutely right. Okay, so now, now that is the opportunity for you to suggest, if you could, maybe some very common household items like cleaners or or deodorants or um, or antibacterials or whatever. What types of things would you suggest people try to move to to move away from these other things with high VOCs? Okay, so always plant-based detergents. Get away from a petroleum-based detergent. Um, you know, there's a lot of great companies out there. Sun and Earth makes a good product. Seven Generation makes a good product. So plant-based detergents, that's soaps, that's detergents for your laundry. Stay away from anything with extra fragrance. You don't need it. You know, you can have a little fragrance. I'm not saying people can't put a little smell, but I don't want you inundating yourself with it in multiple products, one product, and that's it. Um, or if you want to burn essential oil 15 minutes a day, that's okay. Try to use cleaning products like vinegar. You can use um, hydrogen peroxide works great on mm-hmm. toilets, sinks, any shower, spray hydrogen peroxide. You can leave it and forget it and it will help deter mold. And if you do it once a week, you won't have mold growth in your shower. It works fantastic. Just wow. spraying hydrogen peroxide. Yep. And get in a spray bottle at a local pharmacy. It comes now in like a cute little spray bottle, which is easy to use. Spray down your shower once a week and you can do it twice. I mean, and just leave it and it doesn't leave behind any chemical residue and it's completely safe for your family. You know, hydrogen peroxide is used for, I mean, I have hydrogen peroxide in in my cupboard, I think, for cleaning cuts and abrasions and that type of stuff. But I would never have thought uh, to use it to clean the bathtub or the sink. Yeah. 
shower sinks, anything that's not going to take out color, you know, so you don't want to use it on wood products and things because it will bleach out. But we're using it in mold remediation now. We use a combination of either hydrogen peroxide by itself or we use it with a vinegar combo, which makes parasitic acid. And we've been doing that for healthy remediation projects and it works great. What about bleach? Is using bleach, you know, bad for your health? Um, I don't recommend it. It's not something that I think you need and it leaves behind chemical residue, which can be problematic. Also, you never want to use bleach on mold. It's it's not a good combination. And there's been studies that have shown that it can cause cancer mixing the two. So uh, that's pretty much become an EPA protocol. So you don't want to be using bleach to kill any type of mold or, or really? mold growth. That is yeah. definitely information that that I did not know. I mean, I feel like I feel like an idiot, but I feel like that bleach has been the go to for um, solving a mold issue. Has that been the case in the past? And and because people used it, is that how we come to learn that it's not the way to go? Well, what's happened more so is that when you bleach something, you bleach the color out of it, but the mold protein or and the pieces of the molds that are fragmented still stay behind oh. and cause the problem. So it's not really effective for it is one. And then two, the combination, if you have toxic mold with mycotoxins mixed with a bleach, there were studies and showed that there were susceptibilities to cancer that may have happened because of the combination. So that's why I think it's just become not the, the protocol anymore. Very interesting. That is that is great information. Absolutely amazing information. I, I definitely had no idea. Yeah. Well, okay. So here we are. Um, we've got uh, we got to go to, to a break and take a quick break. And when we come back, we've got one segment more with Caroline. And we're going to wrap this baby up and... Um, and put a little bow on it. So you won't want to miss this. Stick around. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. We'll be right back. Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. We've got Caroline Blazowski on the phone. She's America's healthy home expert. If you want to check her out on our website, go to healthyhomeexpert.com. Before the break, we were talking about uh, healthy air and different products, you know, different cleaning ways of using cleaning products. And, uh, you know, I actually in this, we have one segment left and I want to know if you, Caroline, had to build a brand new home. You were given the opportunity to come in and and consult and say, I'm going to build you this brand new home. What are the number one things on your list to put into that home to make it healthy? Well, fast. It's like I'm on the I'm on the clock. So I'll say I want to build with all plywood. I want to have hardwood floors. I'd like to have some type of baseboard heating system. So it depends, you know, it depends where you live, but I'd go with a baseboard either a steam system. I love steam heat, but they don't do it a lot anymore. I also like baseboard hot water. Um, I'd like an HVAC system and I'd like to make sure that I had a dehumidification system built into that. And also one, you know, obviously standalone unit if I had a basement. 
And I'd like to build with breathable materials on the exterior. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much still a traditionalist when it comes to building products, so wood, brick, or stone. Um, and, you know, I'd like to go with, um, what else would I like to do? I'm trying to think. Extra it's, large gutters and big overhangs. Oh, yeah, that is, oh, yeah, that is sure. a must. You know, it's interesting because here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, during the 90s, we were getting a lot of new construction uh, from architects that moved up here from California. And a lot of these architects didn't know what an overhang was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, They're like, oh, well, who needs that's dumb. That costs extra money. Let's just take that out. Well, now we have a lot of houses built in the 90s that have either zero overhangs or six inches or six inch overhangs with little teeny gutters on them. Mm-hmm. We and have the same thing here, though, in New Jersey. They went through that stage and these houses all have like, especially if you look at the north side, they'll have moss and mold growing all over the exterior and you need these overhangs. You to do. You. Any climate. I don't care what climate you're in. It doesn't yeah, you're, matter. You're absolutely right. You know, you'll see these houses here built in the 20s and 30s with these gigantic overhangs. And the siding is all in perfect shape. Yeah, and they've got uh, solid wood entry doors and they're they're not split and checked and warped and, and falling apart because they've been properly protected from the weather. And uh, it, it's it's just so dependent on on overhangs, for example, and, and big gutters. Like you said, that I'm so glad you said that. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and it doesn't like it doesn't matter because the climate, you know, like think about it as far as in California, they may have drier climate, but then it also helps with the sun exposure. True, true, so, true, like, true. Either way, you know, whatever climate you're in, it's going to be fantastic. So that's that's the thing that I always look for. And, you know, I think we are in agreement. You know, it's interesting. You had mentioned um, plywood versus OSB. I'd like to get your opinion on that. Why are you uh, prefer? Why do you prefer plywood over OSB? And the and the companies will you know disagree with me. But, you know, from looking at houses for 20 years, I don't feel that the OSB holds up, especially the older OSB. They've improved it a lot, but I just don't find it holds up with moisture. It doesn't have the ability to take on moisture. And when it does, it, it, I see so many basements where it's delamin, you know, it's delaminating, it's breaking down. Also, um, the it will start to smell. So if you ever go into a home that's built with OSB and it's had moisture, like, you know, it's got high relative humidity in the basement, it's got a specific odor to it. And I, you know, I don't like my houses to smell like anything. And that is an issue for me. So it's, I guess the glues and resins as they start to sort of, you know, take on moisture, they actually start to develop an odor and people will complain about it a lot that are my clients. And I have to explain to them, this is what happens to it. And they're like, well, why doesn't it happen to plywood? I said, I really don't know because plywood is glued together wood. It's kind of the same concept, but there definitely is a difference. Yeah. You know, what happens is they, they get that, that odor that comes from wet OSB and then they just burn a whole bunch of scented candles in order to cover it up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but all houses, I mean, pretty much unless your house is really bone dry, which is rare now, you know, you can tell what the minute I walk into somebody's house, it's got OSB. I know it's there. I can smell it. Yeah. It's like one problem building on another problem. It's uh, it's a problem. <laughs> well, and I don't know. I don't know if anybody's even analyzed it to know if that's you know is going to have a toxic effect somewhere down the road. But I can tell you that it's got a pretty profuse you know odor. So you know it is interesting though because one of my reasons for preferring plywood over OSB is because the OSB does not breathe. It doesn't right. breathe. Moisture does not pass through OSB like it does through CDX plywood. Yeah, and uh, when you have uh, a sheet of impermeable sheathing on the exterior of your home, the moisture that is in your home has to find its way out. Right. It does. Moisture moves back and forth like 
pretty normal. Yeah. You know, where's that dew point? That vapor point. Exactly. So when you get to uh, an area that there's not enough insulation or you have a window that is cracked, all of that moisture is going to condensate right there. Yep. And that's my yep. problem with it. Yeah. And that's and that's probably a lot of the reasons why we see this, you know, these mold issues. So going backwards a little bit when we were talking, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Going backwards a little bit, when we were talking about uh, the mold issue, you mentioned that uh, rodents actually play a role in the growth of mold. Can you elaborate on that just a little bit? Yeah, it's interesting. So if you've had, and we've seen cases of this now recently, where we had positive mold tests coming back and we investigated the house and we're like, you know, we don't see any reason why there are issues here, you know, as far as building construction and rot and things like that. And then what we found out was there actually were infestations of mice. And so in their biological processes, as they, you know, defecate and do what they do, they create uh, mold growth and can actually make quite a big, significant problem with mold. So that's why it's really important that when, you know, when they break down their all their urine and stuff like that, it actually it grows mold. So you want to make sure that you're checking your house for rodents to help reduce mold as well. And, you know, have an inspector come in and just make sure you're using like copper mesh and close off all your holes and, and set traps and keep them out as much as you can. You mentioned copper mesh. Why is why is it important to use copper mesh? Well, you just want to use something that they're not going to chew through. You know, so a lot of people will use foam or like spray foam or something and they'll eat right through it. Right. So you want to make sure you're using something like a copper mesh or um, you know, even like steel wool or aluminum, something like that will keep them out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another one that we talked about, we just touched on just a little tiny bit, and I just want to bring a little bit of clarification to it. Um, radon seems to be, a, um, well, a gas, I guess, that's becoming more and more prevalent, at least in the Pacific Northwest. And people are pretty scared of it because they don't really know what's what's causing that or where it's coming from or how do I deal with it. It, do you also provide a test for testing for radon or is that a difficult thing to do or is it not? Is it easy? No, it's easy. And usually I recommend people just go to a local hardware store, pick up a two canister test because you want to do two tests simultaneously. Um, and they go out to a lab and th- that's just as good. And if you've done remodeling and tighten that building envelope, it's really important to test for radon. It is the second leading cause of cancer in the U.S. and it is in all 50 states. So, and it also can follow up if you have wells, it can come up through your water supply. So as you shower, you can actually be breathing it in. So we do a water test where we check for radon coming out of the water supply, which is kind of interesting. That is so, interesting. There's a, per- there's a percentage that you're allowed. Um, and if you're getting too much coming up the pipes, that can also contribute. And so just, definitely test for radon. Just so people know, uh, you most new houses that are built today are being built with radon mitigation systems installed, which means they they have a, a network of pipes that is installed in the crawl space and it's vented through the house all the way up through the roof and out. So the, the gas is there. There's no way to stop it, but you just essentially you're rerouting it out, out of your, so it doesn't get up into your home. Yeah. Caroline, thank you so much for being on with us today. We learned so much and I absolutely um, am so excited to have all this new information. And I know I'm going to go out and make some changes in my home based on what you told me. Um, So thank you so much for being with us, folks. If you want to check out her website, healthyhomeexpert.com, Caroline Blazowski. And there is a lot of stuff on there that can help you. Thank you again so much for being with us. And I look forward to talking to you again.
Thanks, guys. You've been wonderful. Be Thank healthy. you. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. All right, folks. That's all the time we got. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been another episode of Your Weekend Warriors right here on the Weekend Warriors Radio Network. Have a great week.